20 seconds in one time. You can talk now. You're like, both like... You know when you're at school, do you ever do like sponsored silence? And yes. And be like going purple in the face, trying not to laugh. And then you start to hear that... <laughs> that sets you off. Yeah. There was a... Were you... The, okay, so were you the person who started the... Or were you the follower? So once someone else started it, you'd be laughing. Oh, I, I remember like at primary school, it was me and one other girl that were probably like the ringleaders of trouble. So it'd be either me or her that would be starting with the like, and then that'd be it. And then we'd all be off. <laughs> I remember my report card said, easily distracts others. So <laughs> that was on my report card, which, uh, yeah, my mum brings up probably every Christmas time, whenever we're catching up. Yeah. Amazing. Just so you know, this is recording and this is already part of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, because the whole point, like I said to you before we hit record, is that this is more about Lucy Charles, the person behind the athlete. Sorry, Lucy Charles Barclay. Yes. Yeah. Barclay or Barclay? Barclay, yeah. Barclay. Like the bank yeah. in Britain. Barclays Bank. So oh, okay. Lucy doesn't own a bank. They just, happen to have, <laughs> they just happen to be called, their surname is Barclay and there's Barclays Bank, but they're not related. Okay. Yeah. Good, to yeah. Good to know. Good to know. You're not rolling in it nope. by being a Barclay, a Charles Barclay now. No. Do you, oh, so hang on, let me formally introduce, there's not nothing so much formal about this podcast. You'll, you'll quickly Brilliant. pick up yeah. on. Yep. I'm sure you're okay with that. <laughs> That's fine. Everyone, this is Lucy Charles Barclay. So this is where you imagine there's a round of applause. <laughs> you say thank you for having me. That's how it goes. Perfect. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> it's wonderful to be here. <laughs> um, now, currently, we are sitting at your homestay slash Spanish villa type place. Palace, yeah, yeah, it is. It's a palace. Yeah. The day after, challenge quote, mm-hmm. that you annihilated. <laughs> Like I said, we don't talk too much about triathlon, but we'd be stupid not to talk about Challenge Roth. Um, congratulations on an amazing day yesterday. Thank you. Yeah, it kind of well it went well from the beginning, really. I guess if mm. you start there, the swim um, it ended up being a non-wetsuit swim, so obviously favours me quite a lot as a stronger swimmer. So I knew I might get a couple of extra minutes there on the other girls, um, and then my main goal was to kind of catch the men as quickly as possible. Had they had three minutes on me, so... But uh, is that something that's in your head, like, yeah, I want to see how many men I can tick off? Yeah, brilliant, def- definitely, yeah. It's like a it's a motivator straight away, knowing they're there, and they know I'm coming as well, which is always fun, because they're <laughs> thinking, oh, no, Lucy's behind us again. How long until she gets us? So um, I think I caught most of them by halfway, so... Um, yeah, right. Yeah, that was fun. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I knew, I knew I was swimming well, because every single one I tick off, I'm like, oh, I must be going quite quickly then. Um, and then on the bike, I actually felt really good, which was surprising. I don't know. I don't know why I expected to feel bad, but I felt pretty good. Um, the first lap, I felt really, really strong. I had like some lows, but mostly highs thinking, yeah, this feels good. And then the second lap kind of managed to just carry that going. Um, yeah, from my point of view, you seemed completely in control. You looked really comfortable. Um, yeah, like usually you can see when people are starting to struggle, but I didn't get that from you at all all day. Yeah, I think, I mean, I fueled well, like I just followed um, the nutrition plan that me and Reese had kind of sat down and planned and that worked really well. Um, we also had, um, there's a tri club at home called Havery and Tri that are a good friend of ours and they had like, seemed like hundreds of them racing. So every time I saw one of them, I was cheering them as I went past. So I oh, think cool. that, that helped as well. And I thought, well, if, I, if I'm managing to cheer them on, I must be feeling okay. So 
Um, that definitely helped a lot. And then the run was probably the worst part of my day. Like basically, as soon as I started running, my stomach was just in bits. So I was just like, oh no, here we go. And I was thinking it's going to re- be a repeat of last year where I spent about three minutes in a portaloo and if I hadn't have done that I probably could have got the win or I might not have even finished at all because my stomach was so bad last year so this year I've made the call at about 4k into the run to have a loose stop um oh right um so I did that probably spent about two minutes in there so it wasn't too bad so I'm not sure if like the other girls knew that happened or whether they thought oh my god in 4k we've gained two minutes on Lucy she must be dying um whereas actually after that for about 15k I felt pretty strong again I thought oh good that's behind me that's fine and then at 15k the stomach issues came back with a vengeance and it was pretty much I was like well I'm not stopping again so I kind of just had to suck it up for the rest of the run and try and keep my game face on that I was fine but um yeah I'm not really sure why that happened because as I said I felt like we got the nutrition dialed so I don't know whether it was from the river or I don't really know whether the, the excitement in Roth is just too much every year. Yeah, it causes yeah. my stomach to go to bits. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Apart from that, I think that like, if I hadn't have had that, I probably would have felt like a million dollars all day. So it's yeah. kind of a good test that I can cope with that and, and make it to the end still with a strong finish. And I think actually the last 5K, I started to feel a bit better again. So I managed to have quite a strong finish on the run as well. Yeah, right. Because you looked pretty fresh at the finish, but I think immediately afterwards you said, I don't feel fresh. I dug pretty deep for that one. Yeah, I think, I mean, that pretty much came down to the whole stomach thing, really. It was just like, from the get-go of the run, I was thinking, am I actually going to make this? Because um, it was pretty painful, but... Yeah, apart from that, I I felt good. And like I think because I was still taking on board the nutrition, because I guess some people, and I've done this before, when your stomach kind of gets upset, you're like, mm, I don't want to take anything mm. else in. But I was still taking on board the nutrition, which I think meant that I didn't bonk at the end because I'd just basically not taken anything from halfway. I was like, I've got to keep the gels coming in and keep the electrolytes coming on board. So I think that probably did save me. Yeah. And then later that, so you obviously, you, you don't want to eat food, yeah. like you said, but you you make that conscious decision to do it. How do you feel later that day? Are you, are you just feeling rubbish? Because your body is obviously saying, don't give me any more, but you have to. Yeah. Like I think uh, yesterday, obviously because of the good result, I was just kind of running on a high all yeah. day. Like I managed to stay right to the end and see the last finisher and the oh, finish cool. line party, which last year I didn't actually make, so I didn't feel well. So it was nice to be able to do that this year. Um, but definitely today, like the day after, and I find this after any long distance triathlon, I feel like I have the long distance hangover. So it's yeah, like, yeah. oh, you just feel wrecked, like you've been on a massive night out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I kind of call it my little hangover after the race. Yeah. What What's your favourite favourite part of Challenge Roth? It's all pretty epic, really. Like the whole yeah. build up, like they really get the pros involved in everything. So the fact that we get to like wear the traditional Dernda and the Lederhosen and all get involved in that, it, it is just like a festival. Like it's mm. pretty crazy. And it's in such a small town, but everyone basically says it's the biggest thing that happens here. So everyone is behind it it's not really like when you go to Kona and you know a lot of the locals actually don't really want you to be there that you can already feel that they're like oh god they're back again whereas here you feel so welcome so I love that about it but it's probably all about that finish line really like it is absolutely crazy in there and again last year I was sprinting down the finish to try and get the win and I just couldn't get it so 
I didn't take in any of that last year. I like, oh, got there, collapsed on the line, just wanted to get off of the place and go because I was so like down about it. Whereas this year, I kind of knew I had time in the bank so I could really like just soak it up and it was just absolutely crazy. Yeah, it, and the fact that you do it in a U, U shape mm. is... Like, I feel like that's even better because it's coming at you from, well, three sides essentially as soon as you hit that finishing shoot. Yes, you don't know where to look because it's just all everywhere. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's that's so unique because I don't know anywhere else in the world where you, like, literally run a U to, um, (laughs) (laughs) Do you actually know that person that's just walked in? No, he must be one of the maintenance team of this property. (laughs) He's walked straight down to the wine cellar. he's going to top up the wine and beer because he knows we've been drinking it all. Uh, sorry, yeah. So, so back to the U shape. What, what I want to know is when you go in there and you just said you don't know where to look, I assume you had people in the crowd that you're maybe trying to find. How the hell do you find them? Or well, you just don't? Yeah, you've got no real hope. You've got to get lucky to find them. I mean, yeah. I'm always looking for Reese, but he ended up being like right around behind the finish anyway. Yeah. So I kind of, yeah, I wasn't really looking to pinpoint anyone in particular. And I haven't really mastered the art of high-fiving people yet and running. It's like almost getting whacked in the stomach or I'm too far away. So I need to ch- kind of work on this a little bit because I keep missing the high-fives. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Do you know when you're high-fiving, you're meant to look at their elbows. Oh, Try tip. that next time. Okay. Yeah, high Elbow, five. you'll never miss when you're looking at someone's elbow when you do a high-five. Look, let's try. Hey, yeah, I uh, felt that connection. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, maybe I'm I'm like terrible at all racket sports as well. Like basically, if we played tennis, I would probably just swing the, and the ball would be underneath or above. So, well, yeah. I have a theory about particularly elite or professional triathletes that hand-eye coordination is not their jam. Yeah. Did you uh, see me at the start of the women's run? Zero coordination when they were doing the warm up. Was that <laughs> why am I up on the stage? Like this is the worst thing ever. <laughs> I might be good at swim, bike, run, but nothing this else. Is no rhythm. <laughs> no rhythm. Okay, so Jan Frodeno, a couple of years ago, he was on stage for the women's run, yeah. and I think the video of him doing it went viral for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> so I think we need to have maybe a dance-off between you and Jan, yeah, just to see who's the most terrible. Maybe we'll do this in Kona. We could get it arranged. All so. right, we'll talk to people. You talk to your people, and let's see what we can do. <laughs> worst dancer. <laughs> Official crown of worst dancer. Yeah. Yes. The queen of worst da- da- dance <laughs> dancing. We say, well, I say dancing. You say dancing, which sounds a lot more fancier. <laughs> There's nothing fancy about my dancing. <laughs> <laughs> this one. <laughs> it's a hit. It's a hit with all the kids. This is why I'm cool, Auntie Steph. I've just looked out the window, right? There's a robot vacuum cleaner, which is not too unnormal here. There's a robot lawnmower. Yes. And I think they have several of them as well because there's so much lawn out there that they have um, more than one and they have their own little docking station to charge at night and they're like sparkly as well. So. Oh my God. Yeah. It's very similar to one of your S Works bikes, wouldn't it? The yeah. My, yeah, could be. Maybe I'll put S Works logo on the normal. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so last question about triathlon, then we're going to try and move off it. Awesome. A win here at this kind of event, how does it compare to other wins or even other other events? Yeah, I think, I mean, there's so much history in this race. So 
And for me, particularly because I came so close to getting that win last year, like it would have been the dream scenario to come here for the first time last year, get that win and be like, yeah, I've I've knocked that one off my list. But for me, it probably was almost the best thing because as soon as I finished, I was like, I want to win that race now. Like this is a massive deal for me. There was fire in my belly. It was like nine seconds. Like, how can I change this? So this year, it wasn't just about coming and getting the win. It was like coming and annihilating it really and trying to just put down a solid performance so yeah it's probably the biggest win in my career in terms of the history of that race I think aside from going and being able to win Kona there's nothing that would top it wow so I did say we'd move on but then I find I have more questions (laughs) so from from a media point of view so we with Wits Up previews and stuff we mentioned the nine seconds quite a few times Does that piss you off or does it just make you hungry? Yeah, I think at the time it was, it wasn't pissed off. I guess that's not the right word. It was more, oh, maybe I could have changed something that could have changed the outcome. I feel like my mistake caused that. So there was that. But then ultimately I find I actually get more motivation from a bad race than a good one because I'm like, right, I need to rectify this. What did I do wrong in the build-up? So it was more motivation than than anything else. Yeah, and like they say, you learn more about yourself from the not that it was a failure, but from when things don't go yeah, go right. Yeah. yeah, interesting. All right, let's move on. Uh, just by the way, we have a beer here. Yeah. Set prost. Cheers. But, so apparently, my homestay has been cheesing me at the bottom. Yes. Okay. We're meant to do it like that in Germany. Yeah. <laughs> I learned that from Andy Dreitz actually. Yeah. It's a good. Good mm. lesson to learn. Mm. I think it's also more solid at the bottom, so there's less ah. chance of breakage. Maybe. I don't know. Germans are smart, aren't they? So. They are very, very smart. <laughs> Hence a robot lawnmower outside. Yeah. Anyway, we've got a robot vacuum cleaner at home. We don't have a lawn, so we don't need a lawnmower. But they're very, very clever. Very cool. Okay. Oh, yeah, they have that too. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the videographer's just got a close-up of the... Uh... I want to see you outside chasing the lawnmower <laughs> with your video <laughs> camera. <laughs> Right. <laughs> okay, quick sip. Let's move on. Now, we did talk about school very, very briefly at the start yeah. of this. And let's just go back to that. It's a nice place to start. As a student, you said that you you like to distract other people. You're, you're <laughs> a bit of a rat bag. Over, over, overall, what kind of student were you? I think, I mean, I was probably almost borderline the class clown I could say but (gasps) me too yeah but I think because I was quite lucky I was fairly academic but obviously very sporty so I by most teachers at school I was fairly liked so I could get away with the mischief I never really got in any big trouble Uh, but I was quite cheeky so um I probably got away with quite a lot of things. Yeah, that's exactly the same as me. <laughs> Amazing. You could, like, you could just be a little bit cheeky, but you'd always get stuff done yeah. as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, but you weren't known as the, uh, the the top of the class. Yeah. But, yeah. So, okay, so obviously swimming throughout your all of your schooling years, yeah. which we will get to, but other than swimming, what were the other sort of sports that you were led to? Yeah, at school I would get involved in anything so I would be in all the school teams playing all the sports um from football to rounders hockey netball um I even did like the high jump and long jump in the school athletics I was the only person mad enough to do like the longer distance runs as well so I kind of get stuck in 
in anything really that was going. I think like something like Rounders was probably my favourite because it was just completely different and I actually probably was completely rubbish at it but I just enjoyed running around the edge even if I couldn't <laughs> hit the ball. So Wait, hang on. The Rounders uh, in the UK, was that with the... You had a bat? Yeah, or, so we yeah. have like a, a longish kind of bat, almost like a baton that a policeman would have, I guess, that kind of oh, shape. Yeah. Um, and then we have, I think, like five points. It's almost like a hexagon shape on the ground. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was pretty fun. I used to enjoy that. So you you used to have a little bit of hand-eye coordination. Yeah, I get lucky sometimes. <laughs> hit and if I could hit it, I could hit it far. But if I missed it, then it was just, yeah, terrible. Yeah, right. And then you had the speed between the between the yeah. bases or whatever. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, right. And then so when did when did you know that swimming, swimming was your thing? Um, I mean, as young as primary school, I was really stuck in it. I think when I was nine, I won the county championship. So I was like, oh, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. I kind of had a natural ability for it. And then I went to my first national champs when I was 12. So that was probably the year that I was leaving primary school and moving to senior school. So I was pretty dedicated to it, even like as a 12 year old, I, I knew about the Olympics and that was what I was going for. I was training morning and night even as a primary school child so I would swim at kind of 6am even when I was nine or ten years old so I was pretty much all in from a really young age yeah um, and fully dedicated to that and when I went to senior school that was definitely almost I put my education on the back foot and was like well no I'm going to be a swimmer I'm going to make the Olympics so as I said I was quite lucky because I was quite naturally academic so I could get away with kind of doing my homework last minute and yeah. maybe not doing much revision for an exam which to most people I probably wouldn't recommend doing but I yeah. could get away with it so yeah I was fairly lucky in that sense so you say that you so sorry when you're quite young nine I think you yeah said, do you remember thinking it's the Olympics for me or did it just become part of your norm like it was just that's just what I do yeah, it was that was just my whole life was swimming yeah. really. Like I enjoyed every part of it. I enjoyed the training, I enjoyed the okay. competing and every year we'd obviously have the national champs, which was like the big thing on the calendar each year. And then eventually I kind of learnt that I was more of a distance athlete, so I specialised in that when I was about sixteen and then decided uh, the open water was pretty cool and not many people wanted to do the open water, so maybe yeah, that was right. a quicker way to try and get into the Olympic team. Um, which eventually was kind of the route I went down doing the 5 and 10k open water swim. So even though when I was nine, it was like, what's the craziest, most difficult event? So at nine, I wanted to do the 200 fly because I was like, that's the most difficult event. And then um, then I learned about the distance events. So I would do the 800 and 1500 meter freestyle. And then it was like, oh, let's go one better. There's like 5 and 10k open water swim. So it yeah, kind right. of, the challenge was getting bigger all the time. And I was like, oh, what's the next big challenge? So... I guess that's how I ended up doing open water in the end. Yeah, right. And is that sort of the same pathway to triathlon as well? Like it just got crazier and bigger and bigger? Yeah, pretty much. Like when I decided um, I was done with swimming and I needed a new challenge, basically around that time, Reese and I were like, oh, Ironman looks pretty hard. Let's just sign up for one of those. So <laughs> Not even triathlon, yeah. just Ironman. All right, yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. So we, we'd actually done a race in Scotland. Um, it was the Great Scottish Swim. And this was about um, 
July or August time in 2013. So tropical weather in Scotland. Yeah. <laughs> I think we got quite lucky, actually. The water temp was cold, but it was yeah. quite a nice day. So we did get quite lucky. But we both swam absolutely abysmal. Like it was, I was like, we shouldn't have come here. This is so bad. Um, and then we went back to the hotel where all the elite swimmers were staying. And we basically went up to our hotel room. And in that hour that we were in there getting ready, we were like, let's just sign up for Ironman UK. Like, we need a challenge because we'd kind of, it was in, I'd say May of that year, I decided to stop swimming. So from May to August, I hadn't really swam in that year. So yeah. then we went and did this race and we hadn't done much training because there was nothing really to train for. Yeah. So we were like, we need a big challenge to train for. So we just signed up for Ironman UK, which was going to be in July the following year. So we basically had like 11 months to yeah. train for it. How hard can it be? We've got mountain bikes at home and we know, we know, we know people that have done Ironman, so we can do this. And then basically it was the steepest learning curve of our whole life. It was just like, no, you cannot do it on a mountain bike. And things like, oh yeah, we will have to feed ourselves whilst doing this event. You can't just not eat anything. So there were so many things I hadn't even considered. And I guess we were really lucky because Reese has got a sports science degree. So he had some knowledge and he also had great contacts from doing his degree that could help us. And some of them had done Ironman. So we were quite lucky. But yeah, we soon learned that you can't just do an Ironman and rock up and do it. It's quite a big challenge. But as you can see, we've kind of got hooked on it from, from yeah. that first one. So you keep saying we did this, we did that. How long have you and Reese been together for? So we met when I was about 17 or 18. So we've been together for, I think, about seven years, maybe even nearly eight. And we met when Reese was at university doing his degree. And his university swim squad was part of the elite swim squad that I was part of. So at Hertfordshire University in the UK, um, the swim squad is Hatfield Swimming Squad, which was basically one of the biggest squads in the UK. They were pretty much like we'd won the national champs as a team before. So we were a solid squad and they'd partnered with the university. So we met through that swim squad, basically. Reese was studying and I was just on the elite squad. Yeah. Um, and that was back around 2012 or maybe even 2011, just before the uh, 2012 Olympics. So yeah. Yeah, we've we've known each other a long time and we kind of both have moved from our swimming career side of things into triathlon and yeah. never looked back, I guess. So yeah, it's been, yeah. been a, quite a crazy journey, to be honest. And was it a conscious decision by you both or was it one of you saying, eh, let's do Ironman UK and the other one's like, all right, or did you, was it more of a discussion? Yeah, I think there was a slight discussion, but maybe it more so came from Reese's side because it was his friend who'd done an Ironman before. And although I'd known of people that had done it from like the Masters Swim Squad, I was like, yeah, I think that could be fun. Like it was probably something that was always going to be on my bucket list for later in my life. And yeah. we were like, let's just dive into it now. So <laughs> Reese suggested and I just jumped on board and said, yeah, let's do it. So, yeah, right. Um, yeah, pretty mad. And then do you remember at what point you you're like yeah th- th- this is it this is what I need to do this is I'm going to be a professional this is going to be my career do you remember that yeah well when I did the first Ironman it was just about finishing so it was like across yeah, the course. line ticket offs I can say I'm an Ironman and at the time we were both um doing I just finished my personal trainer kind of qualification so 
we were like, well, we're going to be personal trainers. We're setting up our own business. And that's pretty cool to say you've done an Ironman and kind mm. of you can add that to your resume. And people go, oh, they must kind of know what they're talking about if they've done one of those. So that was kind of a good incentive that then we could really push that personal training side of things. Um, when we finished that first Ironman, we kind of we went to the awards and we learned what Kona was in the World Championships. And we were like, hey, I want to I qualify for that next year. So we basically <laughs> signed up for Ironman UK the next year with the intention of both trying to qualify for the world championships, which we were both training for that whilst being personal trainers. So I think Reese was in the final year of his degree. He'd like, as a swimmer, he'd split it over a few years so he could swim quite at a high level whilst doing his degree. So he was finishing off his degree whilst we were trying to set up a business. I think I was still working at a zoo at the time. Yeah, at a this, zoo? Yeah, I had this little like interim period where I quit swimming and I was training for my first Ironman. And I ended up working at a zoo, like in the marketing department, but ah. still kind of working with the animals and getting photos of them and doing all the marketing for that. So that was a really cool kind of little interim period. I think <laughs> whilst I was training to be a personal trainer, I was working there. And then eventually when I got the qualification, I was like, right, well, I'll see how many clients I can get in and maybe I can leave that job and that will allow me to train more. So yeah. Um, I think by, by 2015, when I was looking to qualify for Kona, I was doing just the personal training and training myself. So I could train quite a bit around my training. It was it yeah. was fairly good. Um, but we wasn't earning a lot of money because we still wanted to train quite a lot. So it was it was pretty difficult at the time. We were living from my parents and Reese's parents' house, driving them nuts, <laughs> gradually gathering more equipment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, another bike. Like, where's this going? So... Um, yeah, that was a bit mad. And then we managed to both qualify for Kona that year off of the back of um, Ironman UK. I went on to win my age group and Reese came fifth in his age group. So we both did really well on the island. Yeah, right. Um, and then after that, I had I'd, I'd actually also, I hadn't intended to, but I did the 70.3 Worlds and won that that year as well. So it didn't mean to. kind of all <laughs> just like went from just finishing an Ironman to topping the podium at two world champs as an age grouper and I was like well as an age grouper there's not really much more to do now so I'm enjoying this thing maybe I could go pro at it and and see what happens and so 2016 I was applying for my pro license which I actually got rejected by British Triathlon they said no you can't have it you're not within eight percent of Daniela Reef at the 70.4 hours <laughs> or Kona I said well it's not actually many pro women that were within yeah. 8% of Daniela Reef. <laughs> so if we're basing it off of that, it's a bit difficult. So um, it went oh, up wow. Yeah, it went up for review and then eventually they gave it to me like on a trial basis that, well, we'll let you have the license. Uh, we'll see how this year goes. Technically, you should only be racing 70.3 because you were just a little bit closer to the percent on that than you were on the Ironman. Um, however, I, I basically signed up for Ironman Lanzarote and that was the one I wanted to do as my first pro race. Um, and it didn't really go to plan because I had a, an injury at the time in my shin, which I didn't know what it was. We just thought it was shin splints. We'd had it like misdiagnosed loads. Um, turns out it was actually a stress fracture, but I continued to run. I, I did Ironman Lanzarote and finished third there, which basically meant that was your I, first pro. Yeah, yeah I, I was able to keep the license for that year because that was enough. Coming third there meant I'd almost validated the fact that I could have a pro license. So 
that was pretty good but then I was totally wrecked after that like my leg was so bad um yeah. I gave in and went and got a MRI scan followed by a CT scan all these scans um and they said that the fracture was so bad it had almost gone the whole way through my tibia bone and if I'd done like one more race it would have just snapped my leg so that oh. meant I ended up I did race Staffordshire 70.3 in the UK as well after Lanzarote I think it was about two weeks later which the leg was so bad there that um I think this was before I got the scan I did that race and then I was like right I probably should get the scan now yeah. to which they said yeah you cannot do any running or any racing on this they didn't even want me to bike actually because it was so bad wow um and then I basically couldn't race until the following year I don't think I raced again in 2016 um I didn't race until 2017 my first race being Dubai the 70.3 yeah. there um, which I just scraped the top 10 I got 10th place there so yeah right. even for like that whole time I was kind of really under the radar no one thought I really was that good to be honest because yeah I'd I'd done a bit of racing but I hadn't gone full-time with triathlon because I was still working still needed to earn a living yeah um, and then I'd obviously had the injury and then it wasn't until 2017 I came 10th in Dubai and then I went and raced um at a challenge race in Gran Canaria yeah and I came second there by six seconds to Emma Pallant and third was Daniela Reef. so oh uh, yeah after that race I was like right I'm gonna go full-time pro we're gonna take a gamble we'll see what happens we'll give this year a shot and and see how it goes um, we had really great clients with our personal training that we said, look, if this doesn't work out, would you come back to us? And they were like, sure, yeah, definitely. We'd love to come back. So if you set up again, we'll, we'll be straight back and you, yeah, can, right. you can keep training us. So we knew we had a bit of a safety net with that if it didn't work out. But um, luckily, 2017 really did work out. And I kind bit. of, um, I won Ironman Lanzarote that year, was second in Frankfurt to Sarah Crowley, which meant I qualified for Kona and then somehow went on to come second in Kona that year. So um, it paid off taking the gamble, but it, it yeah. was really, really tough that year. Like we, we had no money and it, it was a real struggle, but we just about got by. Yeah, right. 2016, you were in Kona though, weren't you? Was yes. Because I think that's when I first met you yeah, on the Wits Up ride. Yes, Reese uh, was racing as an age grouper, so I, I uh, still came yeah, out yeah. there and I kind of for once got to do all of the fun things because I wasn't racing. So yeah, yeah, great. of course. Yeah. The Wits Up ride being the fun. That was the highlight, yeah. <laughs> good answer, good ride, good coffee, exactly, good company. Yes. <laughs> Very cool. We've led on to triathlon again, so we, we're going to go <laughs> off that subject. Perfect. Um, Brothers and sisters, are you an only child? Brothers and sisters, talk me through that. Yeah, so I have a younger sister. Yeah. She was also a swimmer and then she stopped swimming when she was a bit younger because she had more of a social life than I did. She had, she knew how to have fun, I guess. <laughs> she wanted to do other stuff, but she is super creative. So she's just finished her photography degree uh, down oh, cool. in Cornwall, which is like amazing place in the UK with um pretty much like a laid-back surfers lifestyle down there so yeah she has had the time of her life down there like I've been super jealous it's looked amazing and she has just recently moved back home actually yeah so I think she's actually traveling at the moment maybe like Thailand Malaysia okay. or that kind of way so yeah she's having a bit of 
fun but yeah she's amazing like she's probably one of my biggest supporters even Aww. though as a younger sister so she will be coming out to Kona this year first ever trip so, oh really yes yeah, so oh that's cool she will I'm sure she'll absolutely love it but yeah yeah she's pretty cool she's um really quirky she's definitely the creative one has loads of tattoos um this is quite a funny story as well because when I finished my first Ironman, so I had to go back to triathlon, <laughs> I, I got the Ironman tattoo because I was like, I might never do another one. So You're one of those people. Yeah. So I have, Own it. I have the tattoo. Um, might be one, one of the only pros with the tattoo. But um, got the tattoo. And then I think my sister went off to uni and she was like, well, tattoos are okay. Mum and dad didn't freak out. So then she like has collected more and more and more. And mum and dad can't say anything because they didn't tell me off when I got one. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, and they're all different, like super cool. But yeah, yeah, right. She's very cool. So she's more of the creative one. You're, you're not so creative? Um, I mean, I still did an A-level in photography. That was... Oh, I, did you? I had, yeah, I had... I, I was definitely creative as well, but I kind of just had to get put to the back seat so I yeah. could do my sports stuff. But I do really enjoy photography and, and that kind of thing. So Yeah, right. Yeah. So do you do you still dabble a little bit in it when you've got three seconds spare? Um, well, I think I'm normally obviously James Mitchell's behind the camera lens for me, but I think <laughs> I'm always like, Oh James, that would be a really cool shot. Should we try this? So I kind of have yeah. a little bit of my creative input in there when I can, but obviously James is super talented anyway, so he's he all right. He doesn't really need my input, but no, yeah. I think that makes us quite a good little team on that side of things. Yeah, definitely. Because the whole creative thing, I actually, I did an interview with Rachel McBride earlier today and we are talking about music because she plays the cello. Oh, wow. Yeah. And for me personally, I used to play the drums and saxophone and I just don't have, or I don't make time to do that because we're we're all busy. But it's something that I really miss is that creative side of things. Yeah. So, yeah, like obviously when you're professional triathletes, it's swim, bike, run, eat, sleep day in and day out but yeah. so do you miss that side of things yeah definitely I used to love I used to love actually taking all my photos and then like printing them out and sticking them all in my little art book thing and having them all there and being able to look back on them so I I definitely do miss that and even I think my sister has my old camera now but I used to yeah. just always have it in the car in case I thought yeah, right. oh, that's a cool shot I'm gonna get that so um yeah, I think I wouldn't mind owning a good camera again and just being able to do that as a bit of a hobby on the side. Yeah, right. Very interesting. But no musical instruments? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Musically talented, zero. Dance skills, zero. zero. Okay. Singing, no. Right, really brilliant. terrible. Drunk. Reese has some great videos of me on one of our first dates. We went to um, one of the early Ed Sheeran concerts in a really small... Um, I think it was like Brixton Academy in London. It was like a really small little, really like knit little um, gig. And I was quite drunk singing to his songs. And of course Brilliant. he filmed it all. So And he still has these. And he like every now and again, he'll bring it up and be playing it. And I'm like, oh my God, get that off. Why have you still got that? So um, I cannot sing. <laughs> Luckily that didn't scare him away on one of our first dates. <laughs> But yeah, if I've had a few to drink, then you'll probably get me on a karaoke and it will just be gold. So uh, yeah. Good to know. <laughs> I'm hoping that you get stuck more into that beer so we get you singing yeah, on, on the podcast tonight, now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I went to Ed Sheeran in London a few years ago. Oh, wow. So I had no idea that it's it's all him. 
even not in a big stage performance, because we were, what's the big... Um, Probably like the O2 maybe yeah, or yeah. Wembley or one of those. Yeah, O2 I think it was. Yeah. So massive stage. Yeah. I had no idea it was all, it's like he's busking but to a... Oh yeah, it's incredible. So good. Yeah. Yeah, right. So first date with Reese, you sang karaoke drunk and he kept you. Yeah. That's sweet. <laughs> My mum used to own a pub that had karaoke Friday, Saturday nights. Wicked. So yeah. Very I, cool. Yeah. I had ter- one guy, this, anyway, uh, he'd come in from, because he used to get like uh, Navy ships and stuff into um, Hobart in Tasmania, and he sang to me, You've Lost That Loving Feeling, like, you know, yeah. from, oh, actually, you're pretty young. You know the movie Top Gun? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they sing, You've Lost That Loving yeah. Feeling to her. Yeah. That's what he tried to do to me. It didn't work. Oh, shame. Yeah. I shut him, <laughs> I shut him down. Shut him down. Uh, okay, so let's go back to childhood, all that kind of stuff. Obviously, very competitive person. Yeah. When it comes to sport, very competitive. Are you also very competitive in everyday things? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> like I, my poor sister, I'm surprised she still loves me now because <laughs> growing up, everything was a competition. I just drove her up the wall, like it, whether it was like who can clean their teeth the fastest, who can like do any of this, oh, who can get up the stairs the fastest, or <laughs> yeah, we just, I must have drove her nuts because everything was a game. And the frustrating thing was that we used to have like, it wasn't like a PlayStation, it was older than that. I think it used to be called like a Nintendo Dreamcast or something. Yeah. And she was so good at any of that kind of stuff because somehow she's like super techie and was always good at computer games and all of that. So I could never, ever win at that. So when I'd like wound her up too much trying to win a board game or something, she'd be like, right, we're playing that now. Then I'd be like, oh no, because I know I can't beat her at that. (laughs) So she could get her own back. But um, yeah, I've probably made, her quite a tough cookie now because yeah, of me right. almost like bullying her with my competitiveness <laughs> as a child so yeah I'm, I'm lucky that we're still very close now because I probably could have ruined that as a child and are you still really competitive obviously forget triathlon but are you still a competitive adult yeah I think so like I mean me and Reese are very competitive with each other obviously in sport but not just in sport in other silly things as well like who can carry the most shopping up to the flat or something yeah so um yeah I think my sister probably is a bit more competitive now she's become quite feisty going off to uni getting her independence so yeah yeah I'm hoping that we'll have some future competitions together and it'll be fun because she'll want to actually play ball yeah uh, right yeah could be good so where do you think this competitive streak comes from, mum or dad? Or did it skip a generation and come from grandparents? Um, we've only just learned of recently that my mum and dad are super competitive with each other. Like, Excellent. It's hilarious. So um, they, as I kind of got into triathlon, they got into running. And my dad had always done sport. He played football as a kid at, to quite a good level, I think, and he he ran the London Marathon and he's he's always done running. What what kind of time is your dad doing the um, London Marathon? I think he in? did like a four forty. So he's yeah. like not bad, but he'll just get round and enjoy yeah. it. Um, and then his knees were like ruined after that, so his knees have been so bad. But yeah. he he still continues to run. Um, my mum, however, did no sport. Like hated sport at school. Didn't want to get involved in any of it. Would always have like a fake sick note to get out yeah. of PE and all of this. Um, and then when I kind of got into triathlon, she decided to start doing like the park runs and things like that. And then how good are they? Yeah, they such are a great like idea. The best thing ever. So yeah. she has absolutely loved that, and basically gone from someone who 
always she's always kept fit and active as an adult as she's in good shape but she has just destroyed it like she's gone from running i think her first ever part run was like in the region of 25 26 minutes shit to she went under 23 minutes a few weeks ago so it's just over 5k yeah so it's just insanely quick wow Um, so she's always obviously had this natural ability that she just never used yeah um but because she has looked after her body not done crazy sport like my dad She's in good nick still, like nothing's hurting on her, no injuries, she's just fresh. And she is killing my dad, basically, like taking him out running and killing him every time, beating him home. And they are racing home, like Wednesday night, they call it like (laughs) race night. They'll do a 5k run and they run from their house into the middle of town. They have like this lamppost or bollard that they know they turn around and then come back and it's exactly 5k. But it's turned like into a battle every single week where they're like coming back. My mum is like, she's nearly been sick at the front door because she's worked that hard and she's smashed my dad again and he's got the ump and yeah, they are so competitive. And I think, I don't know if it still is, but we have like a family WhatsApp chat and the the photo of it is my mum and dad, they did like an 8K running race and they're literally almost diving for the line to get the win and it's them two. Like my dad's nearly holding my mum back to try and win. So. I think that's where the competitive thing <laughs> came from. But I don't realise, I don't think they realised how competitive they were until recently. And they're like, oh, that's where she got it from. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, pretty crazy. And do they get to go to many of your races? Yeah, they, they've, they've come out to Kona the last two years, which has been really cool. They came out to Samarin last year. They haven't, oh, they did um, Staffordshire with me as a relay last year. Oh, cool. Um, which was really good. So my dad actually did the swim. I did the bike. My mum did the run. We nice. won the mixed team. So yeah. yeah, that was really, really special. And then this year, because I was actually racing, I had to let them down. We couldn't do the defend our title thing. I had to <laughs> actually do the whole race. So they just came and watched it this year. Um, but they'll be coming out to Kona again this year, bringing my sister, which is cool. So yeah, yeah they absolutely love it. I think... Um, the first time they kind of the the Dunkona with me twenty seventeen and then they came to Samarin with me in twenty eighteen and it was the first time they were like, Oh my god, this is a bit crazy. Like they realised how many fans I have at a race and Yeah, right. Like, She's just that little girl and then you've got all these people that like, can I yeah. get a photo? So um they haven't been to like a big race this year and I think this year it's gone even more crazy. Of like, course. It's well basically now we've we we've had to get a team around us because it's yeah. just too much and Reese can't race when I'm racing because he's basically having to be like my 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 manager, my organizer, my security. It's just too much. So Yeah, right. Um, we we've started to get a bit more of a team around us so that we can actually cope at these races. Okay. Um because even I think like my mum and dad thought it was mad then, but now it's just like off the scale mad. Like I can't yeah. go anywhere without it taking half an hour because we get stopped every minute. So Yeah. Um yeah, they think it's completely bonkers, but they love it. Like they've supported me as a swimmer all the time with yeah. five AM alarms. So um I think like my dad particularly was devastated when I quit swimming because he was like, Oh no, but you're so good at it and now hmm. I don't think he ever could have expected to say oh, but now I'm going to go into this new sport and it's going to be even better and crazier and yeah. I'm going to do even better at this sport. So um yeah, they love it. So just touching on the whole uh, people stopping you and coming up to you and because you, you, you appear to be quite approachable. So I imagine people feel quite comfortable coming up to you. Yeah. Was that a massive 
learning curve, but also was it quite uncomfortable to begin with? Um, to begin with, it was like quite flattering. She's like, oh my God, someone actually wants a picture with me. Like, yeah, okay. Uh, but then it kind of went from that to being, yeah, a bit overwhelming. And you're almost like, well, is this okay? Because there's no like security in place. If you get some like crazy fan wanting wanting something. So yeah, um, yeah, I, I cope with it quite well until if I'm just put there on my own, it can be quite scary because I haven't got someone to say she's got to leave now. Yeah. And I actually had, I saw it um, after the Worlds in South Africa last year for the half Ironman. I flew out there on my own and basically did it all on my own. Um, so I had no one there. And I think it was it was after the race, I had misjudged timings. I wanted to quickly get my bike before the press conference after the race. Um, and someone asked for a photo and I said, look, I'm really, I can't right now. I'm late for something. And apparently the girl like burst into tears because she was such a huge fan. And oh, I said, no. no. Um, and then one of my friends had found on my Facebook fan page, like this massive hate comment saying, you say you're all about the fans and you're down to earth and all this. And then when they asked for a photo, you're like, no, I can't do it. And it was like completely kind of out of context because it was like one I didn't have anyone there helping me I was doing it all on my own and I think say I had that person there being almost like the buffer saying I'm really sorry she can't right now but we'll come and find you if we see you again by all means she'll do it whereas I ended up being the nasty person because I had to say it so that's what we've kind of put in place now that um, it's basically our, our friend Paz is that person so now he can say uh, she's got to go now and he can kind of judge by me when I'm like this is enough like this is too many yeah, um, right. so yeah we that's part of the team we've had to build really to make sure that I can still race at the level I want to and and still please my fans because it's amazing having them all but of course at the same time I've still got a job to do um, yeah and it's it's a pretty tough job to do as well so yeah um, yeah we've put that in place now it's something that I guess well, in that particular situation, and I'm not having a go at that other person, is that they don't, they're only thinking about that one interaction with you. They're not thinking about the bigger picture. Yeah. And so that that's smart to, yeah. I guess, put put uh, things in place. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, um, it wasn't until kind of a few experiences like that where I realised actually, yeah, that person, that might be their one only encounter with me and that will base their whole opinion on me. Yeah. So, when I train out in Lanzarote at Club La Santa, it's basically like a triathlon mecca. So when I'm there, everyone there is into triathlon. So pretty much everyone training there knows who I am. And there's days where I am so tired because of the amount of training I've done in that day. And I'll get back from like a six, seven hour ride and someone wants a photo. And I have to put on this face of, yeah, yeah right. sure. Even though inside I'm like, I'm so tired. All I want to do is lay down. And I think there was one particular day where I was in such a bad mood <laughs> that I was like, no, not right now. And then Reese was like, I know you're in a bad mood, but that might be the only time they meet you. And now they're going to tell all their friends that you're really nasty. So yeah. it's kind of, yeah, having to just suck it up sometimes and be like, yeah, I'm normally really happy. So I'm going to have to just be like that for five more minutes. And then I can go shut myself in the room and shout at Reese and get him some food. It's a steep learning curve as well, because I went from being an absolute nobody to quite a big name in the sport in a very small amount of time. So we've, we've yeah. had to learn a lot very quickly as well yeah and do you do you worry about what people think about you do you do you read through comments still I used to read everything until it was like 
in my eyes, I hadn't done anything wrong, but someone would find a flaw in it. So yeah. when it when I kept getting that, and you get like ninety nine percent of it is all good, and then it'd be the one comment that's negative that you'd keep your mind it, on. It's insane. Like, what do they even mean by that? And then yeah. it was like Reese basically said, "That's it. You're not reading your comments anymore." Yeah, maybe every now and again you can, but can you please just do your post on Instagram and then just let it happen? Not yeah. not read into every single thing, but it's yeah. so hard not to. Um, so again, that's another thing. We're kind of getting Paz on board so he can reply to comments or say, Lucy, how would you like to reply to yeah, this? Yeah. Rather, and then he won't even tell me about the bad ones. He'll just like either delete it or just ignore it, Yeah, um, which is something I've been quite good at as well. I've never kind of or very rarely actually engaged with the person that's maybe tweeted me something a bit like, well, having a go at me, because most of the time they're only doing that to try and raise their own following because you've got in an argument with them. So, yeah, um, yeah I used to take it quite a lot to heart. Now I definitely care a lot less about what people think. I'm yeah. just like, well, I'm happy doing what I'm doing. If yeah. you're not, that's a shame. <laughs> so. Yeah, and that's the thing is, the, the bigger you get, the more, purely based on numbers, the yeah. more chances are that there's going to be those few who are going to find something wrong or, yeah. or, or, or whatever. But it's an interesting uh, landscape for professional triathletes, especially at the moment, is because it's not just about swim, bike and run anymore oh yeah it's so much more than that in terms of sponsorship and all that kind of stuff it's an interesting minefield to get your head around I guess yeah and and even now like a lot of my sponsors it almost seems they care less about the performance and more about how you're doing your posts and all of this and how many times they're getting their logo seen and oh you covered up our logo a little bit too much when you finish that race and it's like I'm finishing a race yeah so it's all of that is a learning curve in itself and yeah. it has yet it's become not just oh you're a great swim bike runner so we're going to sponsor you it's well you've got to be a great swim bike runner and you've got to do this many posts and you have to be this person and yeah, yeah it's like it's more than a full-time job like it's just not manageable so yeah you kind of do get to that level where if you don't bring these people on board to help you your performance is then just going to drop and then you're going to lose all your deals because you can't race at that level anymore yeah. So, yeah, it's a tough balance. Yeah, absolutely. As, outside of being a um, well-known professional triathlete, would you say you're an, an introvert or an extrovert? Um, I think at school I was very introverted. I was very quiet. Like, my worst nightmare in, like, an English lesson would be when we were reading out the book to the whole class. Oh, yeah. I could not do it. I was like, Really? Yeah, I just panicked. Like, I just couldn't do it. Whereas I feel like since then I've come a long way and I can kind of, do interviews quite well I can interact with people a lot better but I used to really struggle with that but I think actually sport probably helped me become a bit more extroverted and yeah and express who I am and and what I'm about a lot more and I guess actually yeah if you if you want to do well in sport and get the sponsors you kind of have to be a lot more personable and and be able to people relate to you and and have these kind of conversations with a big group of people so yeah yeah I've I kind of guess I've had to change a little bit in that sense. So do you feel like you're almost growing? Because you're, you're 26, right? Uh, 25 now, 26 in September this year. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you're almost gro- like you're still sort of growing up and finding out who you are outside of just being yeah. a triathlete. You know what I mean? Not just being a yeah. triathlete. Just being a, <laughs> you know, challenge Roth champion, whatever, fourth fastest time ever. Third fastest woman? 
ever. Fourth fastest time here. Chrissy's got you twice and yeah, Danielle. Yeah, Chrissy's done yep. it twice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but do you feel like like this this sport almost is shaping you as as a human as as you're growing up? Yeah, 100%. I mean, obviously, so me and Reese have been together roughly eight years and he would say like the person, obviously deep down the person he met is still me, mm-hmm. but the amount I have changed and probably he has as well in that time, the amount we've changed in those years in what we've done, it's definitely molded us to be a slightly different person. I would guess like even in the swim squad, yeah, I'd have a bit of a laugh, but if I was having a conversation with the coach, it would be pretty much me saying nothing and listening. Whereas now... I feel like I could actually say, well, no, but why am I doing that? And can I change this to this? So I feel like, I guess I've I've obviously got a lot more knowledge about what I should be doing in terms of training, but I feel like I'm able to kind of maybe defend myself a little bit more. And triathlons taught me that as well, that if you don't stick up for yourself, you're just going to get walked all over by everyone. So you have yeah. to be, well, no, I'm not doing that, or I'm going to do it this way or, or however. So yeah, I've definitely grown up pretty quickly as a 25-year-old, I think maybe yeah. I maybe come across a bit older than that um, in terms of how I react with people and, and what I do. I definitely forget that you're 25. <laughs> yeah, you're, st- you're still a baby, which is why I had to ask you about, wait, do you understand my references? When I, talk about- <laughs> I talk a lot about Seinfeld in a lot of my references, but I'm not sure if you even... Nah, no. <laughs> You've never watched an episode of Seinfeld? No. Never? No. Well, you deal with br- British comedies, right? Yeah. So if I started quoting The Office or... Yeah, I've seen a small amount of that, but yeah, not... What do you mean? Yeah, not a huge amount. <laughs> so Faulty Towers would be completely off your radar? I know what it radar. is, but I've oh never Oh my God, it, James. Yeah. <laughs> what are we teaching this these young people? Nothing. I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm 25 as well. <laughs> <laughs> you don't look a day over 24. Uh <laughs> Yeah, okay, yeah. So, yeah, you're another example of how most of my references, people... <laughs> see, my issue is I always think that I'm the youngest person in the room and I because I'm an idiot, <laughs> And then, but then I forget that I'm actually 38 now, not 28. You don't look 38. Stop. Definitely don't. Uh, I'm much too young to have a child or just... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we do have to wrap this up because, surprisingly, you have other interviews and stuff to do after your massive win. <laughs> I want to wrap it up yeah. with just one last question. Is, is that is that okay? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, where, and this is such a cliched question, but wh- where do you see yourself in like five, ten, ten years? Yeah, I, I mean, probably, hopefully, still in triathlon. I think um, most female athletes definitely don't peak until they're thirty or, or over thirty. So, yeah. I potentially could have at least five more years of building up to my peak in the sport and then obviously I can't see myself leaving the sport at 30 if I'm at the top of my game I guess it's gonna see it'll depend on who else is racing and what's going on but I feel like I definitely want to capitalize on the now in triathlon and maybe even have like my own brand going a bit like some other athletes are doing and just really create this whole like I said I've got a team but I want to kind of have almost like a brand and a team around that as well which we're already starting to see ways that we could do that so um that would be the main thing I think I do enjoy coaching I coach a few athletes on the side of what I'm doing oh I didn't realize um only only a handful at the moment because I just cannot manage Mm. anymore but I I do enjoy that obviously I was the personal trainer before so I'd, I'd quite happily just go back into that yeah um 
I mean, definitely when I go back home from racing in the UK, nobody has a clue who I am, which is quite refreshing because yeah. I go to these races, it's almost like Justin Bieber turns up and everyone wants a picture, but I go home and it's just, well, who are you? Like, you're just nobody. So, um, which it has its pros and cons, but sure. yeah, in the UK, I get zero recognition for what I do. Whereas I thought maybe, well, obviously in Germany, if I was a German athlete, I'd probably be like some celebrity, but yeah. UK just doesn't seem to care about non-Olympic sports. So Yeah, right. Um, which, yeah, again, can be quite nice. So I can just go back home, settle into my own little training and, and no yeah. one bothers me. But um, I'd ideally like to have some recognition in the UK. I don't know how I'm going to go about <laughs> that, but I'm trying to just grow my brand to be big enough so that maybe it gets picked up a little bit more. But Yeah, okay. I don't do this for the recognition. I do it because... I am that super competitive person. I want to be number one in the world. I mean, that's that's what I'm going for. I want to get yeah. that top spot in Kona, definitely. Um, and hopefully I'll be able to do that in the next five years. Um, fingers crossed. But yeah. yeah, I think at the moment for the foreseeable, what I can see really is triathlon in that future and just building on that and, and growing a team around it. So as long as I keep enjoying it, that's yeah. what I'm going to be doing. I've got one more question. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. This is, this is what I do all the time. I, even when I'm taking photos, I'll be like, just, just do that one more time. Just one more time. Um, when, when you eventually retire from the, from the sport, which is a long way down the track, how would you like your fans to remember you? What's like one thing you'd love them to talk about you? Um, and I don't mean like the winner of Kona. Yeah. What kind of athlete, what kind of role model would you like them to remember you as? Yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously I want to be remembered as this great triathlete, but I think more so I want to be remembered as this kind of great role model, particularly to younger girls in the sport, that you can do sport, you can beat the men in sport, for one, particularly... Hell yeah! Um, that's what I'm always trying to do, particularly in the swim. But yeah, it's more about being, you know what, I'm just a normal person. I've managed to do what I've done in quite a short space of time. There's no reason why anyone can't do what I've done. I haven't, there's no kind of special recipe to it. So yeah. Um, just, yeah, that I was a nice down to earth person that could inspire other people to do this crazy sport that we're in. So, yeah. Nice. Thank you very, very much. Cheers Thank again, yeah, uh, Prost. You have barely touched your beer. A little bit disappointed. <laughs> I'm winning the beer it. drinking. <laughs> yeah, I beat Lisa Charles Barclay. Uh, thank you so much uh, and enjoy that after party. Well deserved. Thank you. I'm sure I will. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers.